new normal. You know, life has a way of having this one constant. And this one constant is that everything changes. We live in this constantly changing world. And, and as such, what happens is this. Definitions have a way of changing. Even the idea of family. Well, on Mother's Day, even the idea of, of mom, right? And, and we, we, we get our idea, we get our picture of mom from, from what's happening culturally around us. And, and really, for the last 60, 70 years, a significant contributor to culture has been that magical box that graces our living room, the television. Do you remember the moms from the 50s? In the 60s. Remember Perfect Mom? Here's Perfect Mom. Maybe. Hopefully. Gee, Mom, I, I thought Beaver was empty in the trash. Yes, yeah, so did I. He left it spread out all over the hall. <laughs> well, he's just a Notice kid. Notice the pearls. I guess he can't help being a slob. I love the fact that Mom does dishes wearing pearls. For me? Yes, a letter from your cousin Joe and one from your agent. Joe, I haven't heard from him in years. What's Here's the, the question I have. Well, How many of you in your home that this is the way mom looks when she comes for breakfast? Is that the way that it works in your household? But she's very mature, and so he thinks maybe he is. And what do you think? <laughs> Anything else? Mm -hmm. If he marries her, he'll be out here on his honeymoon. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> no, I think that's all. I don't know what my agent wants. Just that your contract with him expires in a couple of weeks. He wants you to come in and sign. I, th I think the I think the pressure of Perfect Mom in the fifties and sixties is why in the seventies we had and and and, and in the seventies into the eighties we had we had Dominant Mom. Do you remember Dominant Mom? Let's take a look. It's comforting to know there's still some respect for black power around here. <laughs> Sorry, Mama. Mama, you should be resting. You're supposed to be weak. They only took out my appendix, not my mouth nor my fist. <laughs> 18 movies in this cineplex, and the only one not sold out is coffee cups for two. <laughs> Gee, I guess that must mean it's going to be real good. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> Wait a minute, Peg. Wait, we can't anyway, afford that. America's Excuse coming through. <laughs> bon Bon. Peg, we're on a limited budget here. Bon Bon. Peg, it's three times more expensive here than anywhere else. Bon Bon. <laughs> bon Bon. And I'm not to You know, so I don't know how it is we went from how we went from pearls and pretty to angry and obsessive. But, but here's what I've noticed. I've noticed this, that, that perfect mom being, being supplanted by 
by this issue of dominant mom that it, it led in the, in the 90s and 2000s to, to frustrated mom. Watch this. Some of you ladies just learned a new trick. <laughs> right? Could I have two sandwiches today? Make the bologna sandwiches too. Could I have two slices of bologna? One at a time! One at a time! Double bologna, double bologna, double bologna. Don't forget to make it double bologna because you can hardly get yes, bologna. There you go, Lisa. No pimentos. Bart, your hat's where you left it, behind the toilet. Homer, I'll sell your pants, but I'm out of bologna. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Don't! Yeah. It is no wonder in 2018, if you turn on your television today, you know what we've gone back to? We've gone back to a really angry mom. Roseanne somehow has returned to the television screen. I don't understand how this happened. Well, on some level I do. Because the challenges that family face today are the same as they were in 2000. They're the same as they were in 1990. They're the same as they were in 1970. They're the same as they were in 1950. And here's what perfect mom represented. Perfect mom represented this this twist that the enemy likes us to embrace. In fact, dominant mom represented this twist that the enemy likes us to embrace. Frustrated mom represented this twist that the enemy likes us to embrace. Angry mom represents this twist that the enemy likes us to embrace. And it's this misunderstanding of what love is. And after all, if, if, we were to, if we were to choose the word that best, that best embodies mom, it would be, it should be, love. And yet, we have bought into this misconception. I want to talk to you about that this morning. And, and I, want to, I want to do that looking at what you might consider to be one of the most unlikely candidates to talk about on Mother's Day. But I believe that her story, I believe her story resonates significantly on Mother's Day. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and I want you to turn to me, turn with me to John's Gospel, John chapter 4. The beginning of John chapter 4, it tells us this. It tells us that, that Jesus' ministry, that, it, that it's growing, that it's becoming significant. And, and, and at this point uh, in, his, in his earthly journey, he is becoming uh, more prevalent in his ministry than John. And he, he, there's a transition that takes place. He is, he is going to go from, from Judea He's going to go from the area around Jerusalem to the northeast up to the Sea of Galilee. And in John chapter 4, it tells us this in the fourth verse. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. 
Again, if, if, you've, if you've studied scripture at all, and, and if you understand geography, in the natural, it would make sense that if Jesus were going to, from, if Jesus were going from, from Jerusalem up to the region of the Sea of Galilee, it seems natural that he would go through Samaria. Except that was not the way that anyone traveled. They would not go through Samaria. They wouldn't go through Samaria because it was a rough area. They wouldn't go through Samaria because there was cultural disconnect. They wouldn't go through Samaria because they did not like, the Jews and the Samaritans did not like one another. And so when it says now he had to go through Samaria, he had to go through Samaria not because of expediency, not because of geography, not because of culture. In fact, it was counterculture. Jesus had to go through Samaria because he was driven to go through Samaria. Why? Because he understood that he had a divine appointment with a woman who really speaks to modern life. That really speaks to modern family. This is a woman who her story is 2,000 years old, but she could have lived today. What's her story? Her story is this. She's been married multiple times. Now here's what I know. I know this, that there are a number of people that are in the room this morning. There are a number of people that are watching uh, via live stream today that you can relate to that. Right? And you, you, you've, had, you've had multiple marriages. And in fact, there are times that the fact that you've had multiple marriages is uncomfortable to you. One of the places where it can be really uncomfortable is in a lot of churches. Now hopefully not here. But in a lot of churches and a lot of religious environments, the fact that you've been married multiple times is going to be something that's going to cause you to be looked at with disapproval. I want you to catch that term, disapproval. Because here's here's an important truth. Friends, we, we live in a time where this satanic twist that's been around, I believe, since the dawn of creation has reached epidemic proportion. And Mother's Day, I'm convinced, is the quintessential moment to expose this satanic twist and to see ourselves and to see so many people around us walk in freedom. What is that satanic twist? Here's what it is. It's the confusion and the replacement of love with approval. And we, we think that we're, that we're seeking love. We, we think that we're embracing love. But all too often what, what, what's happening is this. Is, is we're not looking for love and, and we're not expressing love. We're expressing approval. And here's the danger in that. Love is unconditional. Love is everlasting. Love saturates us to the very core of our soul. Approval is fickle. Approval is finite. Approval is shallow. And approval only brings identity 
for the moment. It was never God's plan. And yet, we have gotten sucked into this replacement of love with approval. Well, truthfully, it's nothing new. It's what... It's what this Samaritan woman experienced. It's the reason why she is going out to the well at 12 noon. Now, what do, we, what do we know about this woman? Here's what we know. We know this. There was something about this woman's personality. There was something about who she was that was compelling. How do we know this? We know this because she was married. Not, not just once, not just twice. Five times. But now she's reached a place in life where the man that she's currently living with disapproves of her so much that he won't even give her his name. She's coming out to the well in the middle of the heat of the day because the women in her community, the women in the city in the village of Sychar there in Samaria, Because they disapprove of her. And yet, this is a woman who has some wisdom about her. It's a woman that demonstrates grace to those around her. We see it in the interaction between her and Jesus. Listen to this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw well, this is John 4 starting in verse 7. When when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who who it is to ask you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Sir. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and flocks and herds? In the interaction between, between Jesus and this unnamed woman, it's obvious that she has an understanding of culture, that she has an understanding of, of history. She has an understanding of pain. This woman from 2,000 years ago represents so much of what so many of us experience today. Because, Because of circumstances in life, because of situations that we find ourselves in, because of decisions on our part, sometimes decisions on the part of others, she's living what at best could be described as a challenging existence because she has met with the disapproval of those around her. It is is the story of life today. It's the story of life today. And, and, and Jesus' posture towards this woman should bring, I'm convinced, incredible hope this morning and meaningful answers. 
Notice, notice Jesus' reply to her. Jesus says in John 4.13, everyone who drinks this water, this, this temporary water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I find it fascinating that Jesus is talking to her about this life that's available in him. And she obviously, she has a hunger for it. She has a thirst for it. And she says, Jesus, I want to connect. And in that moment, he cuts to the core of this approval issue with her. Notice this. He he, he gets to the the root of the, the matter. He says this, go and get your husband. Boom. Can you feel the weight that's on her at this moment? Living in this culture where love has been replaced by approval. And because of her life's journey, she carries the massive weight of disapproval. Sir, I I have no husband. And Jesus, not critically, not as a means of evaluation, But really, as a means of expressing value to her and worth to her, here's what he says. You ready? He, 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 he presents an opportunity to the woman. And the woman says, yes, I want this opportunity. He says, go get your husband. And she goes, I have no husband. And he goes, I know. I know. I, I Actually, I knew before I ever asked the question or before I ever gave the instruction. I, I know that you have no husband. I know this. I know that you've been married five times. And I know that the man that you're currently connected to won't even give you his name. Now, if we didn't have the context, we could, we could wonder what what Jesus' disposition is in this moment. But because we have the context to work with, it makes it very easy for us to ascertain what Jesus' body language is in the moment. What his approach to her is in the moment. And her, his statement about her having five husbands is not a judgmental statement. It's a freeing statement. Listen, I know you and I still accept you. You don't need to be looking for my approval today. You don't have to look for my approval because you have my love. Do you catch that? Listen, this this is significant. I'm telling you, friend, it is a significant thing. Because when Jesus deals with this issue of the of the of the, the this 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 approval trap in her life, I love I love how Solomon describes it. Solomon describes it in, in, in Proverbs 29, verse 25. He says this. He says that the fear of man or, or that the chasing after the approval of man will become a snare to him. The love of God brings freedom. 
when we chase after approval, what happens is this, and, and, and it, 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 it becomes, Scripture says it becomes a snare to us. Now, snare works in two different ways, right? Sometimes when a snare is set out, when a hunter sets out a snare, it will be baited. And, and that's the way the approval trap works, right? Sometimes it's baited. I love you if. Hey, I want you to know this. When you do this, man, I love you. I love you because. Do you catch those, those subtle statements of approval? Or conversely, those subtle statements, maybe not so subtle, subtle statements of disapproval? In the I love you if, I love you when, I love you because. It's so easy. It's so easy. It's so easy to cause love to be replaced by approval. And to chase after approval instead of breathing and accepting God's love. This is the reason why oftentimes in the church world, the church world is, is viewed as, oftentimes rightly, as an environment where you fit in if you act a certain way, if you talk a certain way, if you dress a certain way, if you engage a certain way. It's also, can I offer this to you? Because the world has in wholesale fashion allowed love to be replaced with approval. It's the reason why there are significant people groups that are convinced that the church hates them. Because our world has bought into the lie that love is somehow connected to approval. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Are you ready? I, I, I am blessed with two children. That's not a secret. There are things that my children do, both my daughter and my son, there are things that they do that I disapprove of. Now imagine if my relationship with them is based on whether or not they have my approval. What happens? In those moments where they do things that I disapprove of, knowing that they're doing things that I disapprove of, the enemy, if, if love is tied to approval, then the enemy can use those areas in life where we have a difference of opinion to drive a wedge between us. Let me give you an example with my church family. How many of you here like country western music? Show of hands. I think there's something significantly wrong with you. Okay? A country western music is, I think, some of the, please, those of you who are watching via live stream, okay, if, 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 you, if you want to send me emails, let me help you. You can send them to Mike Justice at Calvary. No. I've, I've never appreciated country music. I don't, I, don't, and I don't need you to send me, hey, pastor, you need to listen to this Kenny Chesney. It'll change. No, it won't. All right? I don't get it. Okay, and just to worry the country people think I'm only picking on the country western people. Those of you, my son is into rap music. I don't like rap music. I can't rap. I can't even rap presents. Okay? Rap music is not music. There's music in the background, and then at some 
dude or some girl talking, right? Rhyming. That's not music. There's no melody to it. See, now I've really offended people, and I know I'm going to get letters, and that's okay. Listen, if you send me a letter, if you could just send a, a small monetary gift that can help in my educational process, you know, that'd be a good thing. Here's the thing. You don't have to approve of my musical selection to love me. And I don't have to approve of your musical selection to love you. But somehow we bought into this hellish lie that we have to approve of every aspect of one another's lives to have a relationship with one another or to demonstrate godly love towards one another. And it is, it is I'm telling you, this is, this is seen most evident in the home today. And it is in stark contrast to God's plan for man. Jesus' posture towards this woman causes her to say, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, what she's saying, she's saying, Sir, there's something about you. There's something about you. Your expression towards me demonstrates that you have God upon you. She doesn't realize that she's talking to God incarnate. But at the very least in that moment, she recognizes that there's something God about him. What is it about him? What has he done that demonstrates that God is at the very least upon him? Here's the thing. Jesus has said, woman, I know your story and it doesn't affect the way that I view you. When asked what is the most important commandment, Jesus says this. Several times in his earthly ministry, he's asked the question, what is the most important commandment? And he says this, love God. Love God. Have this love relationship with the God who created you, who redeemed you, who orders your steps. And in that same breath, demonstrate that posture towards one another. Let love... Be what identifies you. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. Right? That's what 1 John 4, 7 tells us. And we don't have to wonder about what love is. God gives us this massive definition in 1 Corinthians. In fact, I want to... I, I I want to draw our time to a close with this. And if, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us this. It says, and, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. God says this, if I have all these overt expressions of religiosity, if, if I'm willing to be a martyr, if I operate in all of these overt spiritual gifts, if you look at me and go, wow, that's an amazing man of God. And yet, my expression towards you 
is approval, something's askew. If there's not love demonstrated, something's wrong. So what is it? Here's what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always, always, always perseveres. Love never fails. I want you to I want you to to watch this. Watch what happens when you replace the word love in this portion of Scripture with this mistaken aspect, this mistaken characteristic, this, this fallacy about love that we've come to believe that love is somehow connected to if, when, or because. And that's not love, it's approval. Look at this. Approval is patient. Really? Approval is kind. There are so many of us in this room today that we bear the scars of disapproval. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Approval does not dishonor others. Really? Approval is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. You ever been at that, that baseball game, that softball game, that track meet? A soccer, that, that, that soccer match, it keeps no record of wrongs. Son, daughter, let me tell you how it is that you disappoint me. Have you had that conversation? Approval does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Approval always protects. It always, prote- uh, it always trusts. Approval always hopes. Approval always perseveres. Approval never fails. It makes no sense. And yet somehow we have bought into the lie. We've bought into the lie. That somehow I love you if, I love you when, I love you because that it's acceptable. There's an article in this weekend's USA Today that it it amazed me that this article that this article was ran. But it it so vividly represents what I'm talking about. I I want you to I want you to listen. I'm going to it's a brief article. I'm going to read it to you. And the heading is this, why I chose to spend Mother's Day away from my mother. Here's the article. This year, I shelled out $75 to send my mom tulips for Mother's Day. 
It was the best I could do, seeing, how, seeing as how I won't be spending the day with her. Now, before you start to pat me on the back for doing this, I should say that I don't live far from my mother. She's a 30-minute drive away with no traffic. Nor do I have a prior engagement that I can't get out of. My day is free and clear the last time I checked. The only reason I'm not seeing my mom for Mother's Day is because I don't want to. The fact is, I haven't spoke to her since Mother's Day last year when she kicked me out of her house. And since that day, I've chosen not to include my mother in my life. So this year, I was plagued with the question of how to recognize Mother's Day when I'm not even speaking to her. A part of me considered swallowing my feelings, like always, shoving them down into a deep, dark corner behind my stomach so I could show up and celebrate because that's what good daughters do. Good daughters celebrate their mothers. Good daughters let things go because they know how hard their mother worked for them. They overlook their mothers, and she has in parentheses, and father's flaws because they fulfilled the obligation of raising them. Good daughters hold their tongue when their mothers pick apart their relationships. They accept when their mothers throw out words like naive or dumb because in what possible world could you know more than them? Good daughters accept that it's just how their mother is. Good daughters just let it go. I was a good daughter for a very long time. Well, at least I think I was. Then I asked myself if being a good daughter is worth, it means never saying when I'm hurt or disappointed and silently letting it go when she chooses not to apologize or even acknowledge how deeply her words can affect me. I decided that it wasn't. So I opted not to celebrate with her this year. This year, I've decided that the obligation of family isn't worth the dents to my self-esteem or mental health. I can't keep taking this from someone just because they raised me. I love my mother. I respect her and admire her. And I'm grateful for all the sacrifices she made to get me where I am, along with my four sisters. But that respect, admiration, gratitude doesn't translate into a good relationship. And I won't pretend that it does any longer. I hope that one day my relationship with my mother can be repaired. But getting to that day is going to take a lot of work and communication. And those are things I don't think I'm capable of giving right now. The best I can do is $75 tulips. I know it might sound silly, but when I read that article, it shattered me. It shattered me because it is, it is everything that I knew that God wanted me to talk to you about today. It, it, is, it is a glaring example of a relationship that's gone sideways because a mother and a daughter have both bought into this hellish lie that love is approval. And I know this. I know that, that there are many, many in the room today and many who will watch via media who you can relate to this This woman's story. And, and I want to I cry out to her. I want to cry out to her mom. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, some of my biggest regrets in life are because I sought the approval of others. And, and in this issue of seeking approval, it's, it's hardwired in us. Do you remember the person 
from your grade school playground that you sought the approval of? Come on. Do you remember the trouble that you got into as a teenager because you sought someone's approval? The dumbest things that I have done in life, I did because I wanted to impress somebody whose approval I was seeking. I mean, just, I look back and I go, why in the world would I ever do that? Because I wanted this particular guy to think I was cool. I wanted to impress this girl. Oh, the dumbest things were over girls. Right? And what did I do? I, I wanted their approval. I've wanted boss's approval. I, I've, wanted, I've wanted colleagues' approval. Last Sunday, it, it, was a, it was a perfect storm here at Calvary. Just a lot of you out of town and, and bad weather. We had the lowest attendance that we've had in three years. Let me tell you, in full confession, as I sat here last Sunday morning, one of the things that came to my mind was this. I'm glad a certain friend wasn't here for church because I would not have wanted him to see the church that I pastor being so empty. Why? Because, because our culture so shoves us in this direction of seeking approval. And what it is, it's a distortion of this connection that we're supposed to have with God, right? And the cool thing is this, is, is Paul said this, am I now striving to please God or men? For if I'm striving to please men, I'm not a bondservant of Christ. The, be- the beautiful thing is this, as we, as we look to God for approval, he responds back with love. And, and, and that's always been God's plan. I think I first became aware of this and and the freedom that can be found when you get beyond it as a as a pretty messed up 15-year-old kid with with massive social issues and lots of struggles. And my new mom, I had been, I had been living with this family. They, they invited me in. I was living homeless in my car and, and they invited me in and welcomed me to be a part of their family. And, and my mom, one day, this, this new mom in my life, she, she asked me to come and sit down in the living room with her and she, she just tears started streaming down her face and, and she wanted to talk to me about some of, the, some of the significant issues, some of the massive behavioral and character flaws in me. I think it was the very first time in my life that I've ever experienced not judgment, but compassion and concern. She wasn't worried about what people thought of her family. She wasn't worried about how my conduct reflected upon her. The only reason that she was addressing these character flaws in my life is because she understood the destiny that God had for me and she was so concerned that that destiny wouldn't be fulfilled. And she vividly described the deficiencies in my life in such a way that I didn't want to run away 
but I wanted to grab hold. It's what, it's what Jesus does in John chapter 4 with a woman at the well. He says, this is the reality of your life. But ma'am, you don't need approval because you have love. So I say, thank you, mom, and happy Mother's Day because you have shown me more than anything else in the world what, what love really is. And you have demonstrated to me the power of moving beyond seeking someone's approval to just resting in their love. There are, there are those of us in the room today that God wants to set you free from the approval trap. He, he, wants to, he wants to shift the relationship that you have with your spouse. He wants to bring you freedom in the workplace. He wants to bring reconciliation between you and your child. And, and I know this, I know this. I know that, I know that there are many in the room right now that, that there's, a, there's a convicting work of the Holy Spirit happening. And it's okay. It's not a judgment thing. But you're coming to the realization that, that you for a long time in your home with, with, your, with, with your spouse, with your husband, with your wife, in your relationship with your parents, in, in, your, in your posture towards your children, that it's become performance-based and you're either convinced that you can't live up to their standards or you have convinced them that they can't live up to yours. And it's hard on you that the relationship is strained and, and you haven't known how to fix it. That's why God brought you here today. He brought you here today to say this, the posture that I have towards you, the love that I demonstrate towards you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God demonstrated his love for you in this. And while you were a sinner, before you did anything good, he loved you. What does love do? Go back to 1 Corinthians 13. It always protects. It always hopes. It always perseveres. It never fails. And God loved you. He gives us definition. Love keeps no record of wrongs. God loved you and loves you. It's not approval, disapproval. That's such a temporary thing and, and such a, a, a non-consequential thing. It should be. Because God says this, his mercies are new every morning. See, I don't have to try to gain God's approval. And I shouldn't have to chase after your approval. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't have in a relationship towards you that you have to live your life in such a way that I can check all the boxes of acceptability for me. You see, it's not important that I approve of you. 
I'm not going to evaluate your dress today. I'm not going to look at you differently if, if you're here and you're living with someone outside the bond of marriage. We, we can talk about God's principles for that and we can talk about best practices. But just to where you know, you're surrounded by a bunch of imperfect people. You're surrounded by a bunch of sinners, okay? And we could, we could talk about one another's flaws all day long. But that's not what love is. Love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things, keeps no record of wrongs, and never fails. It always trusts, always perseveres, always hopes. I love that. Some of us here today, we need to look at our spouse in a different light. We need to look at our children in a different light. In fact, I think we need to go a step further. There are some of us that we need to spend some time with our spouse today. We need to spend some time with our children today. We need to spend some time with our neighbor today. We need to spend some time with our colleagues this week. And shift the relationship from approval. I love you if, I love you when, I love you because. And shift the relationship from approval to love. That's what Jesus did in John chapter 4. He flips the script on the, on the woman at the well. And here's what she does. I love this. What's her response? She leaves her burden behind. She leaves her water jar behind. And she runs to the very people who disapprove of her and tells them the story of Jesus with such passion and such joy and such enthusiasm that the entire town has to come out and meet him. You want to talk about freedom, this woman's set free. God wants to set you free today. And God doesn't just want to set you free today. God wants to send you out of this place as a missionary into the world around us. And let people be set free from this approval trap and just walk in the, in the full expression of love. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.